Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Pick up your phone while driving, and you might need to be picked up from work. Break the speed limit, and you could be breaking plans with your mates. Leave L or N plates off your car, and you could be left getting taxis for the next six months. So ask yourself, is it really worth it? Seven penalty points over three years will disqualify learner and novice drivers for six months. Steer clear of points and stay on the road. A message from the Road Safety Authority. Welcome to the Blood and Mud podcast. The podcast that ain't got time to bleed, but does have time to duck. I am Lee, and over there is... Uh, I remain Josh. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, we're on at... I'm at Blood and Mud, or Lee at bloodandmud.com, and Josh, how do people get hold of you? Uh, at Josh Gardner, at RugbyShirtWatch, and uh, RugbyShirtWatch.com. And all that, we're on Acast, we're on wherever you can get Aye. podcasts from, and all that, places, Aye. everywhere, all of that. We're also on Patreon.com. Thanks we to are. everyone who supports us. I hope you enjoyed your little extra last week when we talked about Japan. With the mm. magnificent Professor Tony Collins, which is always, let's be honest, it's always a treat, isn't it? Having a chat with Tony about things. Honestly, yeah. It's, it, I mean, it makes me feel deliriously uninformed about both world history and the history of rugby. And we but, all you know. go, oh, it's really interesting that. And then 10 minutes after I've done it, I'll forget everything he said. <laughs> I think I can go tell I mean, people about this stuff now and then I forget all about it. Yeah, it's worse. I mean, I did a history degree, so it's worse for me in many That's ways because right? I just kind of feel like I should know this a lot of this stuff. That There's he's a lot of history, about. though, isn't there? There is a lot of history out there. there you can't be expected to know it all. So. That is true. 
Yeah, so there you go. So thank you for everybody who, who gives us a little bit of support on Patreon. Uh, the VIP lounge hasn't tempted anybody this week, so I've got no names no. to read out. But I'm not worried about that. We've only got so much, you know, we've got so much support from everyone. And our <laughs> love can only spread so far, can't it? Let's be honest, Indeed. Josh. Indeed. Your, your capacity for love has to fit between sort of hatred-laden expletives and a sorrowful consideration of all the things about you. So you're probably yeah. doing Josh a favour, really. Yeah, because you know he's he's I mean, Ill, he's ill-equipped to really deal with all this love he has I've to give. I've got that so. absolutely sort of you know it's 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 you know micrometers we're talking here. You know, <laughs> I mean he does his best. He will give it to you, but it, you know you have to understand that it's something he has to work hard at. Yeah, I mean my my sort of you know the only version of love spreads I know was a sort of fairly mediocre song on the fairly mediocre Second Stone Roses album. So you know, you know, actually love. That's I like the second coming. Oh, really? Well, I don't think it's as bad as everyone says it is. I don't see how anyone could be so offended by it. It's all right. It's fra- I don't know. <laughs> you well, know. The, problem, the problem is that it, it wasn't the Stone Roses, was it? No. They've never been waiting so long, haven't they? Because I waited, <laughs> <laughs> I waited four years for yeah. this. Yeah. 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 To be fair, I was probably being a bit harsh about Love Spreads there. It's a fucking good song. Yeah. But good the breeze. rest of that record is not good. Yeah. It's the lyrics in it with Stone Roses, man. They're so dreadful. You can't get past I'm, them, can you? The fact that Love Spreads is basically like, well, it's basically the, the passion of the Christ, but with Jesus as a black woman. It's just like, <laughs> I mean, it it is a, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, he's right. He's, it's John Squire being right there, isn't it? Right there in that moment. <laughs> I don't think I ever told... Did I ever tell you that I played rugby with the brother of the bassist from John Squire's next band, the Seahorses? Well, the Seahorses. I yes. had a weird soft spot for the Seahorses, well, but only because Love of the Law is a great song. But anyway, continue. So I played with uh, I played with the Andy Fletcher, the brother of Stu Fletcher. Oh, yes, yeah, Stu Fletcher, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, I got a few backstage passes to a gig at Middlesbrough Town Hall and oh, Manchester back in the day. No sign of Squire. Obviously, he wasn't hanging around Obviously. backstage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I tell you what, it makes you realise, and you might know this being the, in the journalist music world, mm-hmm. when you get kind of, you know, a pass to go backstage and stuff, and it's all yeah. freebie, you think this is great. This, this, if you just, this is how you experience music. That you just hang around <laughs> backstage and get shit given to you for free. Mm. It's definitely a way forward, isn't it? But they Absolutely didn't last very long, is. did they? They sacked that drummer. No. He couldn't harmonise in tune, no matter how hard he tried. With the CEO's <laughs> blessing, he was bald. I mean, the CEO's did literally have one song. And don't get me wrong, "Love Is the Law" is an absolute banger, and as one of my favourite guitarists of the nineties. But literally everything else was fucking dreadful. I, I, I quite like "You Can Talk to Me." I like that one. That was one of their like, yeah. off-album okay. singles. Yeah. That was all right. What was the name of the fucking singer? In Chris Helm. Chris Helm, yeah. Dreadful. His his <laughs> shtick made me just want to... As soon as that riff finished in Love is the Law, I just want to turn it off because he starts singing. Awful. Talking about a uh, black, black woman being Jesus, though, maybe remind me of another Manchester band's fantastic line. Jesus was a black man. No, Jesus was Batman. No, that was Bruce Wayne from Kelly's <laughs> Heroes by Black Grape. So uh, anyway, back at the rugby podcast... Um, Yes. We, shall we start with a player spotted, like we always do? Uh, you'd be better add, yeah. Aled Price DMs. Mm-hmm. He says, Afternoon, Lee, and Josh, if this makes it onto the pod. Yeah, it will do. Ooh. He said, A quick player spotted for you. Just saw former Ospreys legend and definitely one of their greatest signings, Kieran Fonotia. Fonotia? Fonotia? Fonotia. Fonotia. Yeah. In yeah. M&S Culverhouse Cross. Hello. 
He was in the market for some cumin as part of what oh, looked like a weekly shop. He must be on a decent wage at the Scarlet if that's where he does his weekly shopping. That's true. Yeah, but everybody, everybody goes to M&S to get, you know, I, I'm going to buy cumin. You know, not to buy cumin, no, but you know, if, if, you, if you're purely going in there to buy cumin, though, you know. That's true. It's not like you're getting your, your full shop there. Well, I, I remember when me and my wife were first married and not exactly flush, back in the Cardiff days, we were both working <laughs> as administrators, we managed to get an M&S store card. I got, don't know why, I had about 500 quid credit on it. So when we like mm. ran out of money and were skinned, we used to go shopping for food at M&S with the store card. It was like an inverse <laughs> poverty. It was like, you know, oh, we're fucking skinned again. Off we go to M&S to do the weekly shop. Uh, it's a, it's something of a false economy. It, there, but yeah. it definitely was. But yeah, it felt like it was wonderful back in, the, yeah. back in those days. Well, I think I had more disposable income then than I've got now. But there you go. That's growing That's up, isn't it? Yeah. you get older, isn't it? Kids. So thank you very much for that play spotted, Alec. Yeah, Alec. I actually, yeah, I actually had another play. Another spot one. This oh my week. god! I know, I know, it's ridiculous. I am uh, banning spotted get... in Bath though soon, so you'll have to just get them all. Yeah, this in. was this wasn't in Bath. No, so wow, I, I, right, no, okay, indeed. Um, I was getting off uh, a train at uh, London Paddington on Thursday morning okay. uh, for a work thing, and uh, who should be going through the ticket barriers in front of me? But uh, none other than Gareth Thomas and uh, his husband. Oh. Who really? was? Uh, I believe he was. He was probably in town because that evening he was honoured at the uh, the Pride of Sport Awards for the inspirational stuff that he's done over the last few years. That's since, a good spot, uh, that, since Josh. He came that's, out. A, that's a nice. So one. yeah, I like it. he looked he looked very at ease and having a lovely time. But and, he looked uh, very sinewy. Because he's he, in he remarkable shape, isn't he? He's he he. He did look like this. It felt like there was a lot lesser than there was when he played. He sort of slimmed he's down. He's cut it down, hasn't he? Of, he's, he's still he's ripped, cut, but he's cut yeah. it right back. Yeah. It's not tall. as tall as I thought he'd be either, because I always thought he looked like a giant of a man. But He's about 6'1", isn't he? Yeah, so he's about probably about height, my height. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, there you go. There you go. I haven't spotted anybody, uh, because I live in Flint and work in Ellesmere Port, so I've got very little <laughs> chance... Of spotting anybody, so yeah. I mean, I I'm not going anywhere this week, and I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm planning to not leave the office. So you know, but you if, are in if, Bath. If, people could just walk past they, your window. They could if they do. They're in a bad part of town. Right. Yeah. So. Right then. So let's move on from not. the player spotted. So the news, let's. the news, the news, the news uh, that's been happening oh, a lot this of, week. Bloody hell of a lot of news this week. There's quite a bit of news. There's quite a bit of news. First up, Johnny Sexton has knee knack. Again, yeah, yeah, and they're talking about him being out of next week, but possibly the the rumours are he's out for a significant period yeah. of time. Indeed, uh, big loss. I mean, it didn't hurt Leinster too much on the weekend, did it? No, <laughs> I mean... that was a genuinely great game, wasn't it? It was until they decided it that it shouldn't it. be anymore. Yeah. Even then, it was still a good <laughs> so game. It's just the result was had enough. Of this. Yeah, We've had enough of this now. Yes, <laughs> it's silliness, but yeah. Um, Engage, stop yes. fucking about protocol, please," said Stuart and, and, Lancaster and, and, from his yeah, from his and, box, and they emphatically did. But uh, yeah, it'd be a big. I mean, the question is, 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 could this be a blessing in disguise for Ireland? You know, Johnny Sexton is no getting any younger. Thirty-four now, is he? Thirty-five. Yeah, and so when you consider that they have two very promising-looking young tens. Who both need a chance to show that they're up to it. You know, it, it mm. could be a chance for 
one of them to, to I mean Carberry's not even back from injury himself he's just back from injury himself so you know it'll take some getting up to running but it wouldn't be the worst thing I think if a transition if, has if to happen at some point doesn't it exactly I so reckon he's probably it, got one more season Sexton before you've really got to start applying the we've got a three year run up to the next World Cup and we need to do something about it really yeah I mean he's absolutely not going to be there for the next World Cup so realistically yeah. if I was Andy Farrell I'd be thinking fuck it I want to start looking at Jerry Carberry as a long term option now if he did get there to the next World Cup he could only do it with one of those like if he was in the film Elysium <laughs> one of those strap on exoskeleton things like Matt Damon has in that very in that in that patchy follow up to District 9 let's be honest yeah that film. yes it's, it's not that great um, I think you know, you should just do it in a rascal, you know? <laughs> like those ones that like that old people have to go around supermarkets. Yes. Yeah. But you still run that same rap thing, <laughs> but just in a little rascal. <laughs> in the old blue chariot, the old blue uh, disability chariot. <laughs> anyway. Speaking of Ireland, actually, um, Rory Best is getting a bit of flack for... Is he? I've not seen this. Tell me You've more. You've not seen that. He said some things uh, about he did an interview with the Irish Independent, basically saying why he thought Ireland's World Cup went tits up and it's not gone down well in a lot of quarters. Um, to be fair to him, I think because quite a lot of the things that he said have been taken out of context a bit and implied that he was basically saying that it was all Joe have Schmitt's. people got the wrong end of the stick on social yeah. media? I find that although, hard to believe. But is that, that what's happened? Yeah. Although, to be fair, he has actually, you know, he has blamed. Joe Schmidt a fair bit, but he's also thrown a lot of basically said everybody's got a can to carry in this. Um, basically, he said that um, he's basically revealed something that, that basically said they became too detail and sort of meeting focused over the course of the last year, which I think any Jesus. of us who's worked in the corporate sector can, you know. But given that what we know Joe Schmidt is like generally, how much yeah. more detail and meeting focused must he have become in the past 12 months? <laughs> I think that is perhaps, the, but basically he says that like, and it's, it's something that's quite revealing because I think it's probably quite prevalent in top level sport, which is that coaches can try to coach too much and control too much, and you've got to give players a bit of freedom to show their initiative. Otherwise, it just gets a bit mad. Because he's basically said that like, in 2018 there was a nice balance between mm. like him being a super detail orientated coach, but also when it came to like Friday every week, him basically going. After the captain to the captain's run and go into the senior leadership group, right? You boys deal with this now. Like this mm. is what you know we're going to do. You can sort of work on the bits that you think you need to work at. But I think basically, as things got as they had that rough 2019, he sort of basically tried to coach them out of it by sort of doing every. And like, he's that classic type of leadership style, isn't he? That I can, yeah. I need to get more control <laughs> and I need to yeah. measure more. To, this to, isn't to make going, this better. This isn't going well. So yeah. This has started to go wrong, so I need to control more. I will try and, and perfect it even more. Yes. So it basically culminated with that horrendous loss to England in the warm-ups. The, mm. uh, um, and Bess says that he bas- him and some senior players basically went to Schmidt after that and said, you need to chill out on the meetings, mate. And to be fair to him, he listened and then you will notice there is a, a correlation with Ireland having a bit of a turnaround in the rest of the warm-ups where they played very well. Um, and apparently it was basically going that way until after the Scotland game, where for some reason before the Japan game, Schmidt got very tight again and sort of started 
reinstituting a lot of detail detail and meetings and then he basically thinks that the combination of that he said like overcomplicating things to the point where they didn't really know what they were doing in the new zealand game and also he basically says yeah and to be honest with you as players we were really we were a bit complacent in the summer in the warm-ups and we were treating the camps as a chance to recuperate and get ourselves physically back in good nick mm. instead of actually working in the way that other teams were probably working during the summer to get in the right level of conditioning and prep. He's got a the... book to sell, right? Uh, I don't think he has no, yet. No, he's I, just got... he did a big, I just think he did a big interview with the Irish Independent. Oh, okay. um, he also said that he got an offer from uh, Bristol to not retire at the end of the Rugby World Cup because they needed a hooker. Um, and <laughs> in his words, they put a lot of money on the table, um, which <laughs> for anyone keeping score from Bristol's, are they in the salary, salary cap point of view? Uh thing is mm. uh i mean yeah they've, they've clearly got a lot of it to throw around somehow so joe schmidt likes meetings joe schmidt likes meetings in detail and uh rory best does not or at least not that much but it's, it's, it's obviously well, it's that's what they opinion, trumpeted as being why he was brilliant when they beat the all blacks they were saying it's because of his details yeah. and because, like i say it's the balance isn't it he said and that's what well, rory best seems to be saying i think he's way. basically saying it but people have gone well he's just going after his coach blah yeah disrespectful blah and maybe it is a bit but the guy's just fucking telling it how he is, isn't it? How it is, isn't it? Well, usually most things in any walk of life, when it doesn't go particularly well, it's because there's generally a failure of leadership somewhere. And somewhere. And there's one the line, leader yeah. at the end of the day who's kind of supposed to set everything, isn't there? It's the way of the world, isn't it? Indeed. Uh, so, yeah. So, there you go. Analysis is the way of the world, isn't it? There you go. Yeah. Moving on. And people are angry about him having an opinion. He's a retired player. He can do what he wants now. Ta-da. And actually, you should listen to his opinion. Because he was around for a while, he was a decent bloke and a good servant. Ages, and for yeah. him to come out and say, because he's not exactly a a, a career yeah, shit not, house or gobshite, is he? So for him to come no, out, and it's, it's, it's not like he's come out and sort of torched Schmidt. He's just said, you know, things mm. we got things wrong, and as players, we also got things wrong because we weren't working hard enough in training camp. And actually, if they're ever going to get this quarterfinal fucking hoodoo out of the way, they're going to mm. have to be quite honest and learn, aren't they? So. Well, that's the th- that is the question. Like some people have been saying that you know, New Sephora, the guy in charge of things at the IRFU, is is not making. Apparently, there were like 150 recommendations from players about things that should be done differently next time. Um, at, in their sort of like World Cup sort of ref- mm. like survey, which I mean, fuck me, that's a depressing thing. Um, but he <laughs> won't make any of those suggestions public and won't make any of the sort of inquest public which seems to be a hell of a way to get yourself off the hook if mm. you're ultimately responsible for it <laughs> i'd like you to evaluate me and then i'm not going to tell anybody how you what you thought of me i'm an open guy i want 360 degree feedback who the fuck said this <laughs> sack it uh, right what else we've got news nakarawa uh, leone nakarawa there you go got uh-huh. that at the end has been sacked by Racing 92. I mean, seriously, how has. badly have you got to behave to get sacked by Racing 92? It's weird, isn't it? Because, I mean, we've seen this thing before of, like, Fijian dudes not coming back in time from big tournaments because quite a few of them went MIA after the mm. Olympics, didn't they? Yes. But, I mean, <laughs> they're not off calendars over there. Um, they're just having too good a time. Um, I think it just suggests how miserable they are because it just shows you. Because obviously, it's not true, the money. You know, there's plenty of money they're earning and stuff like that, isn't there? There's, it's if you're not happy, you're not happy, are you? Well, exactly. 
and I I wonder if that is ultimately the well that's the other the other half of this rumor is that he is rumored to be although unconfirmed as of yet to be heading back to Glasgow He's where terms apparently apparently He's... so you know where he clearly was happy because he played brilliantly there and seemed to really enjoy his rugby so yeah, yeah good for him if that's the Coming case back for less money obviously apparently well yeah but yeah just i mean there's a, there's an element of you don't know what goes on do you because as you've been raising this before this to say i don't really want to be here anymore and can you please do something about this and then they don't and then he just thinks i'm going to take this opportunity to not bother coming back yeah, it's it's a, it's a weird situation. It's the sort of situation that doesn't really occur in any walk of life outside of sport, really. But... I don't know that does it, though. Does it in like Anywhere there's really high-end talent, you can really fuck about, can't you? More than any other yeah. body can. I reckon Absolutely. there's like... If you think about it, if you're an actuary in the city, right, actuaries can basically name their price and go wherever they want. They are basically true, true. the... I mean, they're not when you meet them, but they are like the Diego Maradona of, 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 of the financial world. <laughs> So I if mean, they decided to not come to work for two, intake, yes. they could just but, go, well, yeah. fine, fuck off, sack me then. I'll just go somewhere else and get even more money. <laughs> you know, there's this just... Um... Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. So it's I do think this demand, managing it? talent, and, yeah, and, and high, extremely high-end elite talent can basically almost do what the fuck they like, can't they, really? Mm. Certainly yeah. they, they used to be able to in France, but that's not the case anymore, is it? Obviously, so... Jackie don't like it. Well, no, no, he does not. No, and what he says happens. Any more you right? News-wise, England are after uh, South Africa's scrum coach. Very sensible, Matt, Matt Proudfoot. Yes. Yeah. Um, speaking of England's scrum, uh, I've just heard uh, there's strong rumours that I just saw before I came uh, on the podcast that Bristol are heavy in for Kyle Sinclair in the summer. Yes. Uh, and are also obviously heavy in for Ellis. Get well, Ellis Gendry is going to come back to Bristol yes. the, the millisecond. Home, the homecoming. He is yes. going to be. Ba- he is literally going to be back in Knoll before uh, like twelve oh one a.m. on whatever day <laughs> his contract is up. So, I mean, a front three, a front row of uh, Kyle Sinclair, Harry Thacker, and Ellis Genge. It's fairly mobile. I mean, that's, I don't know about you. It's but very Bristol, like, isn't it? It's like the like perfect the, Bristol It just seems world. like the most fun thing imaginable. Yeah. How could this be more fun? I don't know. Maybe get him coached by Pat Lamb. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. How many offloads would you like your front row to throw? <laughs> All of them, please. All of them. Yeah. And at least one thirty make a meter break each per game I'm liking this new Bristol dominance I know it's backed Honestly. by a bajillionaire and all that stuff but it is nice to see something different coming through As I mean who knows it might all fucking come off the rails but absolutely it might but it's doing it in a slightly different way than the ways that sort of English team dynasties of the past have done it where they've kind of gone for you know tried to basically build teams of England internationals that play in the image of England rugby, whereas yeah. Pat Lamb is fully committed to building a super rugby team in Bristol and just seeing what happens. I'm pulling Galacticos in. Yeah, and pulling in nothing but the most ridiculous Polynesian talent <laughs> money can buy. And yeah, I am 100% here for it. So we'll see what happens with going back to the scrum thing. I think that's a yes. sensible. You know, if you're going to employ any, the trouble is you can't. What Matt Proudfoot doesn't bring with him is the two front fives that are actually South African. 
which is, and, and I hope they've worked that out because yeah. it, it'll just come on his <laughs> yeah. own. So, did you did you not bring? Yeah. Oh, wow. But where are they? Yeah. Are they coming later? Are they, are they in the other taxi? <laughs> no, it's just me. <laughs> yeah, but you know, England have got decent front row stocks, and if he can yeah. get them playing like South Africa played in the World Cup, then uh, yeah, they'll be pretty hard to stop. I'm not a scrum coach, right? I never pretended to be one. But Neil Hatley was a decent scrum coach, wasn't he? And he's gone to Bath and he was with England. Yeah. How, you know, I don't know. I mean, we watched the game on Friday night, right? (laughs) But scrum is, I I suppose you've got to front up and fucking give it some, haven't you? You've got to get your feet in the right place and there's a lot of technical stuff going on. How much coaching can there be to fund? I know it's difficult to say that if it isn't just about how powerful your guys are, how much yeah. coaching can there be to say, maybe foot one into the left and drive it that way? Can, can people who are front rows please write in and let me know? Because I haven't got to, I'll be honest, yeah. I haven't got a fucking clue. I'm totally out of my element here. So I'm not even going to pretend Only to know. If you, so. if you be a professional front row, you know, because I'm pretty sure that most clubs don't have a scrum coach, do they? You know what? I've been away from lower level <laughs> scrum. Maybe uh, they do now. They probably maybe do all now. Got- they're all running around with fucking GPS packs. That's where all of England's 2015 <laughs> fucking That's wind where 2015 went. money went on, yeah. Just bunking <laughs> it on graphs. <laughs> look at this. Look, uh, all of our all of our 13 front row. Look at this. He's knackered after 10 minutes. What, you needed a fucking graph to tell you that? We've, we've only got four subs and none of them are front rowers. Yeah, I know, but I just thought you'd like to know. <laughs> I mean, look at this. Walsh, you fucking stopped running after an hour. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yes. What else have we got here? Russia have been booted out of all sports. Yeah. For four years. That. I mean, yeah, they're still allowed now? to host Euro 2021. Because it's, it's not classed as a major sporting event. Which... Euro 2020 in the football. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's because they're not hosting it completely, are they? They've just got because it's been hosted across about twelve different countries. Yeah, but they are technically a host nation. Yeah, because so, they've got yeah. one or two games, haven't they? Yeah. Most I think of the it's what happens now then because they're not allowed to compete. Can they like legit get completely off the fucking kites for the next four years? Because it doesn't <laughs> matter, does well. it? And then waiting, and then come wait until they've sort of got it out of their system, and then just emerge, yeah. just rippling and psychotic. Even more psychotic. There's definitely something to be said about giving that a go in there, just letting the drugs be legal. Yeah, uh, a terrible season last year, but he's got himself a new pharmacist in, who's really got the <laughs> mixture much better for him this year. Unlimited, yeah. I know it'd be know, dangerous. Unlimited imagine wrestling. What, imagine you know, what, imagine what it would do to uh, amateur players at Aberdeen if they were given carte blanche to, I mean, to, to exactly do exactly the same as it is now. <laughs> So that's a joke. No disrespect to anyone who's playing for Abdel FC or any of their teams in the area. I'm sure you're all clean as fuck, but you also know about 700 people who aren't. So you know. <laughs> yes. So yeah. So Russia won't be in. Well, the next World Cup, technically, unless there's some, something happens. I mean, they shouldn't have been in the last World Cup, and true. then they got in on a technicality. That's so true. Yeah. Let's not rule anything out. Uh, um, yes, uh, Ross Moriarty's out. Uh, this is very mysterious, isn't it? Weird. He picked up. He basically picked up a, a nasty infection when, he, as a result of a cut that he got to his head uh, in out in Japan, and it basically just seems to be fucking scary super virus shit. That it's won't not just be... a virus, Josh. It's a foreign virus. 
Yeah. That's what you've got to worry, is there? Just one of those dirty Japanese voices. <laughs> um, coming over here. Coming over here, yeah. Laying, laying up our rugby players. Um, yeah, but, but apparently he's lost loads of weight and it's not getting Jesus, better. Jesus, I hope he's all right. Fuck's so, sake. Yeah, Seriously, me too. He's laughing, really. Um, we shouldn't be. Well, he, was, he was on Instagram earlier sort of promoting his new sportswear labels. So, you know, he's not. it's not like he's in bed. But, uh, yeah, he looks like he's, he's having a bit of a rough time of it. So, uh, good. Good job, Wales. got loads of number eights, though, you know. Yeah. When's Navidi back? Um, Do we know? Soon, hopefully. <laughs> uh, you don't know. That's just a wish, isn't it? That's just what you hope will happen. <laughs> Soon, please, God. <laughs> yeah. Right. Any more news? Because that's all I had. No, there's fucking loads of news this week, but it was just too much, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what I did like, actually. Uh I've never spoken to Ben Youngs in my life. <laughs> oh, yeah, somebody mentioned this for shit good before, but I'll mention uh, it now. Joe Taring yeah. said, um, good was Chris Boy's unequivocal fuck that when asked if he would be interested <laughs> in signing Ben Youngs. It's worth giving you the full quote, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't, yeah, if you haven't seen really it. Because his response was, and this is a direct quote, I've never spoken to Ben Youngs in my life, and we have absolutely no interest in Ben Youngs at Northampton Saints. <laughs> Is that reasonably clear, Boyd said. But then he continues. <laughs> we are looking for young guys with potential. Ben Youngs has been wonderful for Leicester Thanks. of England. Leicester, his club. I'm not interested in recruiting a 30-year-old from another club in England. It's not where we are going. You can put that one to bed. It's probably his age. You're looking for another 100 grand. Nothing to do with us. More of this, I say. Thing. <laughs> Do you want to sign Ben Youngs? Fuck no. Fuck off do I want to sign Ben Youngs. He's about 700 years old. He's only about... He's good once every three games if he's lucky. I mean, honestly, though, why, when he has Cobus Reinach, would Chris Boyd want any part of Ben Youngs? I mean, really? With the greatest respect to him as a club player, and he, you know, he played very well for England in the World Cup. It's like you've got Reinach, you don't need another scrum half. And that Connor, is it two pie? The young scrum half they've got Connor two pie. He looks pretty handy. He's good. Yeah. So yeah, as he said, why would I want that when I've got that? I can mould him into exactly what I want. (laughs) Why would I want a thirty-year-old who kicks like he's on Mogadon and, as you say, has one game (laughs) gone good game every five? So. Yeah, I mean, good luck to Ben Young's agent. That's what I like. I mean, he's just going to stay at Leicester, isn't he? And so he should. And why not? You know, as Boyd says, it is his club. Yeah, I'm sure they'll make him a reasonable offer. So you might as well be a one-club man and play there forever. Might as well. Uh, Should we talk about the weekend? I I can't. Oh no! Before we move off the news, sorry. Do we want to talk about the Fallout Rugby Australia settlement? I mean. It's over. That's all I can say about it. It was a very, it's, very strange uh, press release, wasn't it? It was very weird. Was it? What's, it, that, what's that line from the uh, Merchant of Venice? You speak an infinite deal of nothing. <laughs> I think that's what pissed me off so much about it was that this, the press release, obviously, which was sort of approved by both sides, but came out of Rugby Australia, hmm. was so very much, you know, we both admit, you know, mistakes were made on both sides. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> mistakes were made on one side, the side with the massive fucking homophobe on it. <laughs> um, and yeah, that just fucked me off, to be honest. But everything else, I mean, I understand why they did it. It was they, always going to go this way. 
three million dollars or whatever it is they've yeah. paid him is probably less than what it would have cost them in legal fees anyway. So. And the report is that they insured the contract anyway. So yeah. basically, the insurance will probably cover it. They're not that out of pocket. Everyone, everyone bears the, their own fees. There you go. Yeah, it's the it's the best. With you know, it's it's a good, it's a, a sensible thing for Rugby Australia to do from business point of view, morally and ethically. It's the way that it's been wrapped up is slightly unsatisfactory because he gets to say that he won and that he was vindicated on some level because he got three million dollars out of them. And he's already peddling out different bits of money, isn't he? If it was him, probably his camp. Anyway, it looks like it'll go away now. So there you go. That is my dearest hope is that we don't hear from him again. I doubt it, but we'll see. Hmm. Pick up your phone while driving and you might need to be picked up from work. Break the speed limit and you could be breaking plans with your mates. Leave L or N plates off your car and you could be left getting taxis for the next six months. So ask yourself, is it really worth it? Seven penalty points over three years will disqualify learner and novice drivers for six months. Steer clear of points and stay on the road. A message from the Road Safety Authority. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Need to get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Okay, so we talk about the weekend then? We better add, yeah. Um, my new, do you know who my new favourite player is? Who? Uh, the player formerly known as Dan Bigger. <laughs> yeah. I like this, this other, this, this Dan Bigger now we've got. The player <laughs> formerly known as Dan Bigger is... That dummy kick and then run with the ball in one hand mm-hmm. was the most, I think, the, my favourite thing in rugby for, for quite some time. <laughs> Simply because of is, who did it, I think. It was yeah, just that like, the thing about it is, like, this is what a couple of years of Chris Boyd has done to him. It's like, you know, he was never as, as one-dimensional as people made him out to be in a club level. Hmm. Like... And I think that he was always playing the game that Warren Gatland decided he was capable of playing for Wales. But Or the game he wanted Wales to play, don't forget. And the game that he wanted Wales to play as well, yeah. But, you know, he's always been a very talented player. He's just never really had a coach before that allows him to be as... And, and to be honest, he was challenged him to be, because I think he basically... Dan Bigger was signed by the previous regime, don't forget. Mm. So Chris Boyd turns up and goes, I mean, this guy doesn't, <laughs> this guy doesn't remind me of Bowden Barrett at all. Uh, 400 grand a year, you say? Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and let's, yeah, let's not forget that he came from, is it the Hurricanes that he came from? Where his 10 was Bowden fucking Barrett. You know, there's an, ex- there's an expectation there that I don't think a lot of people thought Dan Bigger would, you know, be reflected too kindly by but i think boyd has challenged him to be more like you know mm. to, to play within this game plan more and he's you know and we he's saw never going a few weeks ago didn't we and then it's, uh, yeah. it's definitely it's definitely a thing now yeah and i think that he's you know certainly this se- season boyd has just gone right this is the season where it's all going to get come together for us so you're going to have to be the 10 that's throwing the ridiculous passes and the offloads 
and doing the nice little kick passes and all of this stuff. And he's just gone, yeah, right. And but at least you did what it looks like you do when you're fucking about playing touch on a Tuesday night. Yeah, in the yeah, 10 yeah. minutes before the training actually starts. Where like, he like literally pretended to drop the ball and caught it again, then went and then had the ball in one hand as he was running. Not yeah, bad pace either, weirdly. He seemed to yeah, take off very, quite a bit as well. He's never been unquick, but I think I think I honestly think that like if you know, Wayne Pivak should look at that and just go, mm. he could be my ten. And he can do the stuff that Yeah. Most of the other tens in my squad who are fit look absolutely incapable of doing, like controlling a game, kicking goals, generally not being insane, or having a mental collapse. You know, if if Bigger can put together the stuff that he's doing with Northampton with the stuff that he already has done for Wales at test level, I mean, he's basically a pretty complete fly-off, which is an accusation that has rarely been levelled at him mm. in his career. And it would be nice for him in the sort of last couple of years of his career if he proved quite a lot of people wrong. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was yeah. he he played very well in a game that obviously really did. didn't turn out very well in the end because that no. Leinster team. Oh. I, they're looking very Leinstery. Have again, you ever aren't seen they? a team defend so comfortably in your life? It <laughs> was just like fucking hell. Not yeah. just not just defending comfortably, but defending comfortably in the red zone or the green zone, as Dolly Young would call it. Obviously, <laughs> um, <laughs> like that. That that five meter line, they guarded it like it was like a direct entrance to their little sister's bedroom or something. It was just time and time again. And no matter how many times they had to scramble, it didn't seem to make any yeah, difference. Didn't look at harried, all. Didn't look oh. pressured. They just kept putting the wood on Saints over and over, and every, they just forced the mistake and forced the turnover. Like, yeah, it's. It's weird because as, as we sort of alluded to earlier, it was a game where, you know, Saints are a very good team mm. and they played really well in places and made some lovely breaks and put together some lovely rugby. And yet every time it looked like Saints were going to come back into it. And, and there were a couple of moments in that game where you thought, oh, if Saints could score the next try, this could be... It was up to about real... till just after half time, wasn't it? You were like, yeah. Ooh. This it's is like, what this, nice this, this is a game. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, Lance just went, no, nah, you're all right, we're done. <laughs> we, we'd love to go home now. So, And they just slammed, and it was so clinical in the way that they just slammed the door on attack and on defence and then just went up the other end. And I know they got a couple of late tries to sort of put a, a gloss on it, but it it was never in doubt, really. <laughs> You know, every time Saints got within touching distance, Leinster just did what they did. I was loving this weekend, by the way. Really good. I'm, pump, really I'm good pumped weekend. again. The European double headers, it must be, you know, hook it to my veins. I'm, I'm back in yeah. the room. Yeah. Some really good no. stuff this weekend. It was, and it, it felt like a moment, it felt like a moment where some things sort of present sort of set themselves out as far as the way this European season is going to go. And with Sarri seemingly genuinely not that bothered about the Champions Cup this year. It... Well, that team would suggest so, wouldn't it, Saturday? Well, yeah. I mean, I suppose in, in a group level, you can sort of say, well, Munster away, do we really want to go and give that a load of shit and we've got to manage our season somehow? 
Well, this last season, Saracens wouldn't have said that. This season, no, they've got true. to find 35 league points from somewhere before they can even start about thinking about staying up. Yeah. So, like, it's... I know it was raining, but what a fucking game that was, by the way. Yeah. Of all the things I mean, I'm enthusiastic wasn't... about this weekend, that game was... <laughs> wasn't the dobbins. prettiest game. Yeah. I was, I was glossing doors while I was watching that game. And I'll level with you. Glossing doors is probably the most boring thing that I've ever done in my life. And the most futile thing, because you just do it and then you realise it's not taken properly and you've got to start again. Did you use underground? Um, yeah, I did actually, yeah. Oh. Still took a but anyway, you were literally watching paint dry rather than watching. I was literally <laughs> watching paint dry game, and yeah. watching that at the same time. And the two <laughs> things were entirely indistinguishable. <laughs> <in the> second <laughs> um, uh, people are, are surprised that a team that's been cheating the salary cap for three years has a pretty good second fifteen. Is that is that where we are now? Is that how short memories are these days? That. It's treated as some sort of like miraculous apparition that Saracens can absorb the loss of, what was it, nine first-choice players and then narrowly lose to Munster. Yeah. It's like, that's not impressive. Of course they fucking can. Their second 15 probably costs more than the entire Dragons squad. Like, their entire senior squad is 127 people, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Yeah, like I get it. Saris did play the elements well in the second half, and Munster were well, they very. They could have nicked poor. it as well. To be fair, they could have nicked it at the Munster end. Munster did, did a Justin Harrison at the end and yoinked their yeah. line out of them. But, uh... <laughs> well, that's the thing that they still lost. They still scored three points, and they've fucked this set piece up in a way that was quite unprecedented for Saracens. And I just feel like they got so much credit for going and losing. And it's like, is that the desperation? is? Because this of... is the narrative now, though, isn't it? This is the narrative yeah. that people want plucky for Saris. Sa- they're plucky, plucky now Saracen. and all that they're kind of stuff. Plucky. And actually, they're it fucking... might be true to the money they're going to drag themselves up and sort this out. But please, let's not play it like it's, I don't know, some kind of version of fucking of mice and men with a rugby ball. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not having it. I just, yeah, I don't, I'm, they're getting so much credit for not even scoring a try. And literally, they scored three fucking points. Is that the bar now? And the Ospreys, the Ospreys scored more points than that when they went away to Munster with twenty-seven fucking squad members missing. <laughs> God's sake, we but scored is this, ten. Is, is, is this is is this the bar we've got in rugby now that we have to give people respect when they're not shit houses? That's the only I, requirement. If you're not a shit house, you get yeah, nothing yeah. but respect. Oh, you haven't actively cheated this week, even though the cumulative yeah. effects of your long-term cheating are still evident yeah. for all to see what? on the pitch and what in the, the boardroom. What the fuck do you want? A cookie to give a, a shock, <laughs> isn't it? Indeed. Anyway, um, what else have we got then? Uh, you nearly ruined Ulster again. Yeah. I had a know. tweet all lined up to like make a joke about you ruining Ulster again, but then, but then <laughs> they managed to uh, pull it back. When is somebody going to work out that all they do, I mean, it's not all they do, but fuck me, they do a lot of crossfield kicks. Yes. <laughs> like, how has somebody not devised a means of negating that somewhat as a weapon? Like, Billy Burns is extremely, I'm extremely good at it, but the sheer amount of tries that you could cut off from Ulster by cutting that off, I don't understand why teams are finding it so hard. I'm no, I'm no defensive genius. <laughs> But I feel like there must be a solution there somewhere. But um, I thought John Cooney was great again. Yeah, Stuart he's really, Matoski, like... remember him? He was good again. Yes, he was really good. 
just a big, big lump of a man, isn't he? Good player as well, though, yeah. Really but good player. I tell player. you what, for Harlequins, right? I mean, I'm going to cover this in shit, but I'll do it now. Martin Landaco, when he came on, was a fucking disaster from the second he came on. And it, it was seems... one of his fucking bog-awful kicks that basically gave away possession late on, which then led to, a couple of phases later, Ulster getting that penalty to win the bloody thing. Well, this is the thing. Like, It sounds like a good idea, you know, when you sign a Puma... But I mean, don't forget, three, a, three years ago, he was outstanding. Puma forwards, he was so good. Puma backs. He was so good about three years he ago. Was. He really Unbelievable. was. He's a bit old now, though, isn't he? Yeah, He's got a 31. Has he got dementia? That's only way that explain why he played that badly. He's not that old, <laughs> is he? Yeah, no, he was bad. He was really bad. Like, it's just... Yeah... I mean, obviously, I, it, it was, was more, it was, it was more Cavabarti's fault for giving the penalty away because that was completely fucking brainless. But, but he yeah, wouldn't have been in that position if Landaco could actually... It wasn't just that kick, though. His passing was all over the show. It was just so bad. It was like, was Danny Carey... Did you really need this guy for 10 minutes? To, what, what? I do wonder with, with coaches, sometimes I, you like, think, what are you sending this guy for 10 minutes to do? What do you think he's going to do that Danny Care isn't doing? Or any scrum half isn't doing, really? It's yeah, really and and I, investing, you know, what must be a quite substantial salary for Nandaho to be the backup scrum off behind Danny Kerr. He's a when you look at some of the other holes in the Quinn's squad, you do think could you really spend that money better somewhere else and just let a sort of young academy lad have a go or you know, who else? You know, what well, just don't whisper it. Maybe just have a scrum half that plays a full game. They've got that Charlie Mulcrone as the third scrum half, who I, every time I've seen him, I've thought, he looks all right. A perfectly standard club-level player. But again, I come back to the point, I don't know why you yeah. can't just go, he's our first-choice scrum half, and actually he can probably just play the full game, especially in a tight yeah. game like this. I just, I've never, never fathom it, but there you go. Also, what was with... Uh, punchy fighty Chris Robshaw in this game. Like the first time in his like fifteen year career that he's suddenly just to try he's trying to turn heel, you know? It's like it's, it doesn't work he's that way. He's pumped up and, and overexcited about the uh, lighthouse <laughs> family going back on tour. Maybe. He can't contain his emotions <laughs> at the idea of that happening. Because you can guarantee he's going to that to those gigs. Oh absolutely. It's like yeah, it is kind of like when Hulk Hogan became like whatever the whatever the bad word the NWO version of Hulk <laughs> Hogan was, it's like Chris, it's nobody's buying it, mate. You've been a real American hero for too long. Yes, yeah, so, but uh, good on Ulster. It's a, it's a good sign they could drag that game back really because they never Indeed. gave in. And John John Cooney absolutely should be involved with the Ireland squad come Six Nations time, and it's. Probably the form scrum off in Ireland at the moment, let's be honest. He was last Six Nations, wasn't he? He came on against England in that yeah. opening game. But, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, well, um, some, uh, Conor Murray, well, yeah, anyway, we'll see. Mm. We'll see. Mm. Uh, well, anything else for the weekend for you? Um, yeah. Steve Diamond is the only reason that anyone cares about sale anymore. Okay, is, explain. Is my, my revelation. Like, they're a perfectly decent team. They've got some very good players. Um, but the only reason that anybody ever talks about them anymore is because Steve Diamond keeps saying mad shit. And, you know, 
We've lost Mora Bujalal this month, but damn it if Steve and his calling Matthew Raynall a bastard and saying that he hopes he never sees any of that officiating crew ever again shtick is the only thing that anyone is going to talk about after that game. And it's 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 quite sensible, really. If you're that much of an insane gobshite, then nobody's really talking about your team and mm. it takes a load of pressure off them because, you know, they they can basically do what they want. You know, Marlon Yard can basically be a revolving door shambles for 80 minutes and nobody mentions it in the slightest because Steve Diamond has called someone a bastard. <laughs> it's... Complete bloody bastard. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's absolutely, you know, it, it it's a look. It is, yeah, it's true though. It is hard to be enthused about sale, isn't it? They're just like the most beige team. Despite having Despite a load of brilliant clerk, players. Yeah, yeah and For a example. load of really exciting like he's built this team that is absolutely stocked with talent. And Play some pretty good rugby, but they're still just kind of... Is it because they play in the fucking... The depression dome. Depression dome, indeed. I don't know what it is, but it's very hard to get excited. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Mm. That's what we got here. The Ospreys... Uh, I'm not going to say the Ospreys, but the Ospreys... Pre I mean, you can. Pre and post-match interviews, right? But that that pair they've got that poor fucking pair of bastards that they're they're having to wheel out. Who obviously you know never intended to be these people. Just let Mike Ruddock do it. Yeah, that's obviously why well, he's there. That, that I can't remember the names. <laughs> Not Carl Hogg, the other one. They wheeled him out at the beginning. Matt Sherrett. Yeah, yeah, Matt Sherrett to say you know and said to and he and the poor bugger had to explain what Alan Clark's situation is, and he said, well, apparently um, he'll still be at the club in some capacity. But we don't really know in what capacity. Not in a rugby capacity. It was just like what, and I thought you'd actually want that's fucking mental for a start. Anyway, what what's going on with him? But the fact that this poor mm. fella, who's probably just wants to do a bit of coaching of the third and team, has already the... quit. By the way, who hey, Matt Sherry, has he? Yeah, <laughs> he announced before fucking Clark even went that he was leaving at the end of the season because. All right. He wanted to spend more time with his family, which is an absolutely classic way of saying he's going to go up and be Danny Wilson's back backs coach at Glasgow next season. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, I mean, they can't get out of their own fucking way either on no. the field, off the field. It's a mess on the field. I mean, it's weird to call a 40 point hammering at home progress on some level, but they genuinely did look more like a coherent team when they had the same number of men on the pitch as their opponents, which, they to be did honest... last week, though. There was a lot yeah. of heart last week and a lot of effort last week. But there was actually the a bit of attacking zhuzh this week, which there hasn't been all season. Uh, the problem is that, you know, they only had parity of men for 43 seconds. And then Dan, Dan Evans bollocks up that. And then Scott Williams and Alan Davis both managed to get themselves... At one point, they were, they were big stretches where the most threatening backline in Europe was playing against 13, which, I mean... That's only ever going to go one way, isn't it? The, um, What's that, Bakatawa? You, you've only got 13 men to run around. Brilliant. I'm sure you'd like to score 7,000 tries. So we had the lad, lad at Wasps a couple of weeks ago, and now we've had Dan Evans. I mean, I can't stress this enough. Well, actually, you know, you really should not stick your foot out when you're in the air. And it's, when it's did interested... this, why has this suddenly become something that people do? It's really strange. I think it's probably always been something that people have always done to an extent, because like a lot of 
current pro players and fullbacks have said that, you know, he's just sticking... When you're in the air like that, you do sometimes stick your leg out to try and... If you've kind of overcooked yourself one way to try and keep your balance in the air. And there's nothing malicious about... Some people have sort of said, oh, he meant to do it. Fuck off, did he? Like, Dan, Dan Evans does not, 10 years or whatever it is, into his career of not being a cunt, decide to go all Cobra Kai after 43 seconds against Teddy Thomas. But the reality but is... it was reckless, yeah, wasn't it? You can't, you it can't re- jab absolutely. your leg out in the crowd. Yeah, and... it was reckless. And it's it's absolutely something that we don't want to see in the game. But there is a question, I think, to be asked and the conversation that probably needs to be had about the high ball, that if we're going to allow players to jump in the air for the ball, biomechanically, they're going to do things to try and steady themselves in the air. If a player then, you know, runs, if they're at a level where their legs, arms, feet, knees, whatever, can potentially quite easily come into contact with faces, and rugby's going to be quite draconian about that, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, by the way. I'm just saying that it's something that they, they're clearly doing now because we've seen it twice this season. <laughs> a, a contest in the air is something that rugby can actually is can actually survive modern-day rugby's drive to protect players because I'm really starting to wonder if it's worth it. You do start to wonder where you go with it, and well, and how what people's response to it will be. Like will they touch just... someone in the, touch someone in the air, you get sent yeah, off. Yeah, so just don't bother. Know. Don't just just clear a, a circle around and let them catch it, let them land, and then we go again, then, sort of thing. Yeah, just say you can't touch someone until they land. Everything becomes a free catch. Effectively. But you you can't yeah you can't jump, but then you can also not. And it would mean mean that players would have to time their runs so that they're hitting. You know, the yeah, I mean, having not... said that, it's only been two times that this has happened recently. That the, the knees no, and, and boots of the face has not been the issue of jumping in the air. It's more no, been but if you know, gonna, spinning if people like stop... a Catherine wheel, hasn't it? But no, indeed. But if that's going to be, if it's now going to become a thing where both the player receiving the ball and the player chasing are equally likely to potentially get sent off for something, or at least both quite yeah. likely to get sent off for something for player safety reasons, you do have to wonder: is how much longer is it? going to be the jumping up in the air to catch a ball is really going to be allowed. What's uh, interesting about both those ones with the jabby feet ones is that I don't think anyone jumped with them. No. They were jabbing at people who were on the ground. They had actually kind of yeah. jumped alone and then decided to stick. They jumped, and I suppose they because... And do you jump expecting somebody to jump against you? Therefore, you, you're overcorrecting your weight. And I then you stick your leg that, out, you know. I wonder if that is the reality of it. They're jumping and they're expecting to get the sort of nudge back that comes with somebody sort of yeah. making contact with you. Yeah. Going up for the ball. But when there's nothing, you, you've sort of trying to avoid the, the area. Look so at you the... stick your, your leg out and then that person runs face first into leg. The it's tra- a... They're trying to avoid the aerial equivalent of Del Boy through the bar, aren't they? <laughs> So there's something there to kind of prevent them just wheeling over. Yeah, you know, you can't expect players to just take a ball and then just fall flat on, like, you know, momentum to take them fall and let them fall flat on their backs because that's horrendously dangerous. Like, I'm all... Or is that what they are saying? That you just have... Well, I suppose they keep saying it's about your own responsibility for yourself and those around you, isn't it? And that's your point, I suppose. Why would you jump in the air? Because there's too much out of control, isn't there? Yeah, and, and why are rugby players, you know... Still expecting, and I kind of I don't want to see it go because I honestly think that the yeah, you know, take the taking of a high ball is one of the most skilled and sort of dramatic things that happens on a rugby field in terms of sheer physical ability, 
timing or hand-eye coordination. I you know, it's got a lot. Be coached differently because I only they'll start going to the AFL type coaching when they catch the ball above their heads. Mm. Or they there's sort of more of a you go beyond the ball and turn your back to it sort of mm. method of doing it. Almost like a sort of wide receiver kind of trying to screen out a defensive back kind of move. But that could go badly because if you don't overrun it correctly, then the ball will just hit you in the back of the head and you look like a right twat. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. But it's difficult with that one because to be had. you do think that the, the reckless nature of it, whereas the other red card on the day, which, which amazing the ref didn't spot until he was check-checked, was um, Arno Bota from Munster yeah. when he ran with his elbow up straight into somebody's yeah. windpipe. Yeah. <laughs> and you know when people say, what are you supposed to do about that? And I do think, actually... Don't that, run with some. Well, actually, the, the tackle before that, he executed a perfectly fine handoff. Yeah. He put his hand into sort of the um, yeah. collarbone area. Yeah. And kind of pushed the guy away. And then he ran into the next guy with his elbow up like a fucking a uni- a rhinoceros's <laughs> horn, basically, <laughs> straight into somebody, into their neck. And weirdly, um, Roman Pot was looking right at it, probably couldn't see through the rain, probably. And, um, and didn't call it, but then was called back and very clearly said, oh, yeah, sorry, mate, you're off for that, I'm afraid. <laughs> but, um, I'm afraid you are fucked, mate. And the thing is, that is basically a forearm smash to somebody's neck. And, and some people get upset when you say things like that. Unbelievably dangerous. Some people get yeah. upset when you say things like that. They said, oh, well, you know, that's a terrible thing to say because it, it's you not know, a smash. There's nothing about context. There's nothing about this. It's not, I said, yeah, but actually, from a lawmaker's point of view, you have to objectively say what's just happened there. You've run at high impact with your forearm and elbow into somebody's throat. Yeah. You know, I, I won't call it a forearm smash then, but the fact is, is that that's what's happened and that's why it has to stop and you have to stop running like that. I think that pe- if people who sort of split hairs like that are probably understand that what they're seeing is not acceptable. Hmm. And so they're kind of trying to. To get, but it's out of empathy with the player, aren't they? Which I can kind of understand, but actually, you have to come at it from the other end of the telescope, I think, and just say, actually, I've got empathy with the person's throat, so therefore, maybe just tell them not to run like that. You know, you don't have to call them bastards because of it, you just have to tell them not to do it and be very clear about (laughs) it. Yeah, just yeah, it's it's, it's not we don't have to make these people villains, we just have to stop them from doing it. And by saying you just forearm smash somebody doesn't make him a villain. You're just describing what's just happened. Well, yeah, it's just factual, surely. Like, uh, it's emotive language versus facts, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anything else on the weekend? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much me. That's it. Interesting weekend, though. I liked it. Extra nearly through now, aren't they? Which is... Uh, uh, which will be a turn up for the books. It will be. I'm, well, I'm kind of pleased, though, really. Despite all the, you know, the racist claims. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to like about them. Anyway, so any before we go on to shit good, Josh, I've done yes. a song. Oh, hello. It's been a while. I'm just getting my guitar. <laughs> now, oh, I've got my things all timed up. My headphones are in the way and all sorts. Right then, here we are. Oh, good Lord. Here we go. So as you know, as we all know, because we know we've seen his gates being named after him and all that. Warren Gatland is off back to New Zealand. It's really sad, isn't it? It is sad, and it's a new era and all that. I'm still not over it. I'm really not. So to celebrate this, I've got the idea. He's going back to Bryn, isn't he? He's going to spend some time with Bryn. 
which is I mean, going to be nice. The, did we do it? Oh, we didn't talk about the fact at the World Cup that Bryn was training was training with Wales, did we? No, we didn't. I love he was. Yeah, because Bryn in his you know, on his road to recovery from the his rehab hell um, was basically training with Wales when they were out in Japan, which I thought was both lovely and heartbreaking on some level. Well, so because anyway, he's going back yeah. and it's about the father-son yeah. relationship, I've done yeah. uh, Gats in the Cradle, which I threatened to do some time ago. We have. You've threatened to do this for quite some time. I have been threatened to do this for quite some time, so hopefully you can hear this. Um, here we go, Gats in the Cradle. And I've not rehearsed this much, so I apologise if it all goes wrong, but here we go. Bryn arrived just the other day Came into the world to learn how to play But there was whales to coach and bowls to pay He learned to cook while I was away And he was talking for I knew it And as he grew he'd say Where the fuck are you dad? <laughs> and I said don't talk to me like that You can't. And the cats in the cradle and the silver fern Little boy Bryn on the phone he yearned when you're coming home, Dad, in quite a few years Now don't let me see any tears This phone line is not very clear Now Brun played tin just the other day He said, did you see me, Dad, and how well I played And that pass I threw, I said, no, I live in Wales I've got a lot <laughs> to do, he said, that's okay And on the Skype, you know, his smile never dimmed And he said, I'm gonna be like him, yeah You know I'm gonna be like him And the gats in the cradle and the silver fern Little boy Bryn on the phone, he yearned when you're coming home, Dad, in quite a few years Now don't let me see any tears This phone line is not very clear My whale's job is finished, I'm no longer away And I called Bryn just the other day I said let's get together and talk some game He said I'd love to dad But I'm moving to Wales There's a team called the Dragons And they need a tin I'm sure you'll support my decision then This is what Gatlin's do as men And as he hung up the phone It occurred to me He'd grown up just like me That cunt was just like me and the gats in the cradle and the silver fern Little boy Bryn on the phone he yearned When you're coming home, Dad, I've quite a few years Don't let me see any tears This phone line is not very clear And now it's me that's in tears I mean... That's just so emotional. It's... I mean, it's really cut to the quick of that issue in a way that... <laughs> well, you know, it would cut to the quick if you signed for the Dragons, wouldn't it? Good Lord. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, so there you go, I mean, Gats in the cradle, if everybody. Else, if nothing else, it's, you know, Gatlin leaving Wales will be a chance for those two to really rebuild their relationship, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, Bryn seemed fairly angry there in my representation yeah, of it. He I mean, he, he, called his dad a, 
he called his dad a cunt a lot, but then, I mean, we've heard how Warren Gatlin likes that word, so maybe, you know. I think it was Gatlin calling him a cunt, though. Ah, okay, right, yeah. It's hard well, to tell him that, that word. Yeah. Wasn't, isn't the problem that there was, like, the two versions of that? There was the Ugly Kid Joe version, and there was the Henry <laughs> Schaffen version that both did quite well, and they have slightly different takes on it. Oh, well. I don't know. But anyway, here we are. There you go. Gats in the cradle, everybody. Beautiful. So it'll be another maybe a fine, at least maybe a four finest months. yes. <laughs> be another few months before the next one comes along. You'd be glad to hear. So only got to let these things <laughs> out every now and again. The, yeah, yeah. It takes that long to write the lyrics, doesn't it? Yeah. Especially, hey, it's a lot of words in that one as well. A lot of fun. You know, I had to get it. anyway. Moving on. Mm. Shit, good time. Indeed. Have you got any shit? Um. Well, I was going to talk about Dan Evans, we kind of have spoken about it. Uh, so my only shit for this week is Arjen. <laughs> when two top 14 teams meet in Europe and the scoreline is 73-3, you have to ask yourself, what is the point of the Challenge Cup, really? I Do you mean, know how many they played in front of as well, Arjen? Was it? Like 1,800 10? people. <laughs> what point Against a top 14 rival. Yeah. Unbelievable. Honestly. Speaking of France, Reese Not says shit is Stade Francais. They've conceded 412 points in 13 games this season. That's 32 a game. And for context, the Ospreys have conceded 28 points per game. When someone's doing worse than we are, you are fucking going big guns. As Reese says, they're really missing Sergio's fuck it, I'll do it myself in Paris this year. See, this is what happens. You, Everyone says teams get better when we all assume it'll get better when Sergio's a. Uh, self-centred madness and mania leaves, but not so sure now. I mean, he's also a hell of a fucking leader, isn't he? Yes. In the dressing room, you know. It's... And when you think about that, yeah, who who is the leader of... And Jules has fucked off as well, you know. So, who's who's in charge of that dressing room now? If not Plisson... If not Parise, then whom? Um, yeah, it's a good shout, actually. <laughs> it's like, who, who even plays for Stade Francais anymore? I'll be honest, right? I'm looking at their team list now. <laughs> There's no fucker. And the only, I'll be honest, the only player I'm, I'm vividly aware of is... Is Mornay Stain or Nicolas Sanchez, two incredibly reliable players? Jonathan Dante. That other big, big unit of a centre. I mean, they've got... Paul, Paul Gabriags the there. Got, Gabriags there. That's the thing. They've got Gabriags and Maestri, two of the most shithousey locks you can think of. <laughs> Makalu's a good player. Yeah. Matera's a good player. Josh Strauss is very old. But that team they played um, against Bristol, though, had none of these people in it. No, exactly. And I just think... I mean, they are they are rock bottom of the top fourteen this season, aren't they? Or there are thereabouts. And they've Actually, got too much glamour for that to be allowed to happen, haven't they? Well, they're fucking stad francais, you know. <laughs> Without wishing to sort of be, you know, yeah, they're fucking hell. They're below Ar- They're below Argen in the top fourteen, for God's sake. Do you remember me talking about them about a minute ago? Seventy-four-three. <laughs> <laughs> they've only won they've won two lost eight this season have you uh, scored 17 tries and got, conceded yeah. 37 brilliant they could be I uh, mean, there's bad. always next year candidate if they don't book their ideas up 
Yeah. Well, can you imagine Stard getting relegated? Be funny though, wouldn't it? I mean, it would be funny. A beer but... still relegated. Yeah. That's the thing that I, that would be the thing that I'd worry about with Stad is that they'll go down and they won't come back up, a la Biarritz. Anyway, uh, any more shit from mm. you? Uh, no, I was I was quite shitted out this week. It's quite a good weekend. I thought there wasn't that much awfulness to talk. about. We did about. get a lot more good from the uh, from the socials than shits because I think people are happy happy this weekend. Yeah, it's a good weekend for rugby. Anyway, oh, yeah. Elaine, Elaine Jones gets in touch and says that shit is the woman who is in the background of BBC Hereford and Worcester commentary shouting, come on, Warriors, come on, Worcester, literally every 30 seconds. And I'm not exaggerating. It was every 30 seconds. I fucking hate people like that. There's always one. I now. really do. Well, I went to yeah. the uh, Wasps Exeter final at Twickenham. There was an Alley, 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 Wasp, Wasp, Wasps guy who did mm. it every 40 seconds throughout the entire game. So I wouldn't have minded yeah, Arno both just... the windpiping in, I'll be honest. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like that there's always that small group of fans who usually come all of the every single week and are proper lifers that just shout, come on, whatever. And they're to the be admired is. in some way. For eighty minutes. I just think your atmosphere's got to be better than that. You know? Than just shouting, Come on, <laughs> my team for eighty. Think of something more interesting to say. Uh, what else we got here? Ian Alexander says, shit is one for Josh to relish. The Welsh region's Euro change kits. The Dragons it's is the least easy. offensive, but damn, the others are awful, says Ian. The Dragons one is all right, I think. Uh, everyone else is, I'm in a mare, to be honest. <laughs> but I mean, you know, when you've not got a lot of budget to play with, you know, you're having to create about 18 kits a season. It's not surprising well, I, it's it runs out, is it? It's interesting, actually. I, I, so I... I they're talking about football, right? But apparently, the um, when it comes to football kits, the home and away shirts are supposed to be the home shirt is the home shirt, the away shirt is supposed to look good with jeans, which I mean, fuck yeah. They and did the that, third kit that is, England away kit, the football one, that horrible they indigo did the grey one. Grey one. That was meant to look good with jeans. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was the, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so the home kit is, is the home kit. The away kit is designed to look good with jeans. And the third kit is designed to appeal to teenagers, apparently. And that's why third kits slash European kits slash whatever are usually fucking bonkers because it's supposed to be all whatever's. It's trying to look like fucking streetwear, basically. I mean, the desire to wear a replica shirt to look good with jeans would suggest you want to wear them to look good going out in a social context. And I, I, can't, I just can't get behind that I at all. Just, exactly, yeah. Like, you know, I, I'm somebody that enjoy, you know, has a you fucking like a website shirt, about these things. Yeah. I, I don't mind. Yeah, I, I don't wear a lot of them these days, but I enjoy a replica shirt from time to time. However, I don't wear them out of the house, really. They're for you know for sitting at home, or I can yeah. maybe going to a game. I sure as shit wouldn't wear them on a night out. <laughs> yes, I'm I am wearing sure this. Look, I don't care if it is our anniversary. <laughs> this is what I'm wearing because this looks good with jeans. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> and then I'm going down the roller rink, and I'm going to wear the European <laughs> shirt to appeal to the kids. <laughs> Oh, yes. Anyway, so what else have we got here in this shit? Tom Gorman says, 
shit is the inevitable demise of Stuart Hooper. I like that he's put inevitable demise of Stuart in capital letters as if it's like a proper thing, like it's a book, an Edgar Allan Poe novel, the inevitable mm-hmm. demise of Stuart Hooper. Talked up as the best thing since sliced bread from the day his predecessor arrived, thrust into the DOR role by his club with no real experience to speak of, forced to speak exclusively in management bollocks. You know, I agree, Tom, but I know, you know, for such a big man, he looks like a little boy a lot of the time. He does a bit, doesn't he? Yeah. He looks a bit lost. <laughs> Bless him. And let's be honest, we've all been in meetings where you sat there thinking, oh, fucking hell, this is a little bit above my pay grade. You know, <laughs> oh, shit, they're going to look at me in a minute and ask me a question. Oh, God, you know. And you can see it in people's eyes when that happens. Yeah. And it seems to be happening to him quite look. a bit. He's got the look of a man, of a middle manager that has been dramatically promoted. Or and... even worse than that, asked to fill in for his his, his senior manager at a meeting and not been properly briefed. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, it's like in that episode of The American Office where everybody at um, at the headquarters, like they get, basically gets made redundant all of the senior management. And so like... Michael Scott ends up technically being the most senior person at the company. <laughs> yes. It's kind of like that. It's like Stuart everyone all the all the competent people above him have been sacked or have left and he's just kind of been left almost by default being the man in charge and now they're trying to style it out as if they always meant for it to be that way. <laughs> I don't think they did. Yes, the anointed one. Yes. Um, LWW gets in touch on the Patreon messages actually thank you LWW and said shit it's turning up for your first game since February after an injury oh, that's a long layoff mate and ended up having to ref because of an admin cock up oh there's nothing that's mm-hmm. is, is having to ref worse than being forced to play for the opposition because they're short oh. what would you say to that ladies and gentlemen I think having Ain't to ref is not as bad as playing for the opposition playing for the opposition well, is no. shit that's the Shouldn't be allowed. I mean, you're technically still playing play. rugby, aren't you? But it's just so terrible playing for the opposition. It sort it sort of basically says that you know. It implies that all you're really there for is to play rugby, and you don't really care who you're playing for or who yeah. you're playing with. And I just don't think that's that's the case in for most people who play for any club. You know, you have a certain degree of. Yes. Affinity and loyalty there. Anyway. Yeah, and it's like, I've only just learned the fucking moves, mate. Um, yeah. Have you ever <laughs> ref a game, Josh? No, I'd be terrible at I it. I ref I mean, I've, I've, game. I've, yeah. I've, re- I've refed some, like, touch ge- indoor games and touch games, but never a proper fucking... I refed a rugby I'd league game. I'd be awful at it. I refed a rugby okay. league game, and... What you... <laughs> You realise as a ref, you've just got to, you've almost got to be like a politician, the way you know what you're saying is incorrect, but you've got to follow through on it. Because that's the line. Because what you tend to do is you blow a whistle and go, knock on, and then you'll play the tape through in your head and cut back a few seconds and go, oh, actually, no, it wasn't in your head. Then you go, mm. and they're lucky to go, no, knock on. Even though you know it's wrong. <laughs> you just got to go, yeah, it's knock on. Yeah, probably. And the number of times that was happening at the top level, I suppose what separates the top guys out is they don't have to do that as often as everybody else. But uh, yeah, it is quite interesting. Speaking of refs, James Franklin gets in touch and says, shit, is the ref at King's home being so shite that Ben Morgan laughed directly in his face when the latest decision turned out to be utter bollocks? <laughs> I mean, I'm all for respecting the ref, but there is something about that. I remember once we had a, I was playing, when I was playing down in Cardiff, we had a ref that was so bad. And it's all about respecting rugby, right? But he was so yeah. bad. 
that he, about after about an hour, Nigel, who I played with in the back row, basically did just laugh, just laughed and went, oh, God, why don't you fuck off to the rest? <laughs> <laughs> and got sent off, funnily enough. Quite rightly so. However, I mean, yeah, it, was just, it was a kind of brilliant. He just thought, oh, I've had enough. Why don't you just fuck off? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's shit. Let's move on to yeah. good. Any goods? Uh, your quite end. a few goods this week, actually. Yeah, you know, um, the uh, young lad for Claremont, uh, Samuel Azalea, uh, not bad debut for a 19-year-old, eh? Where? Two tries, a hat full of clean, hat full of clean breaks, and as much as anything, he's interesting because he's Spanish. Ooh. Yeah. I doubt he stays that way. Yeah. But... <laughs> It's, it's, it's interesting that a player that good and that promising is coming through from who was born in Spain. That's quite exciting. I mean, they know a thing or two about creating, uh, you know, creative footballers in Spain. Yeah. They, you know, using football in its broadest term. Yeah, it's a, it's. I'd like to. I would, I'd like it if he some if for some stupid reason. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> didn't. You know, switch allegiance to France or wherever, and actually just played for Spain. Because remember when Nguenya played for, like, was like really good for Beeritz. for Beeritz, yeah, and was an American, and everyone went, "Ooh, I kind of feel like that." Born in Zimbabwe, similar... wasn't he? Nguenya. He was, yeah. I feel like that could be like a, it could be a similarly kind of quite impactful moment for, uh, for rugby in Spain, maybe. We didn't mention what I didn't mention when Bordeaux were playing is that Matthew Jalabert, do you remember him? Oh, yeah. Played for Bordeaux in their dismantling and dismembering of Argent at the weekend. He played 10 again. He's still only 21. Lest we forget, 18 months ago, he was in a France squad and then got himself injured. Fuck yeah! So watch this space. Oh yeah, ooh ooh. Because he did look tasty, and I think he was gonna. He was he was on for getting a start because you know because France is fucking mental. So it'd have been interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So (laughs) we could be in a situation next Six Nations where the two possible starting tens are Roman Antomac and Matthew Jalabert. Yes, please. But they can't keep going with Lopez, can they? My God. I mean, they can. Well, they can. (laughs) Yes, Uh... as history has taught us anything, it's that they can. But uh. I mean, Francois Tranduc is available. <laughs> That's what I have to say. Surely Tranduc's do a recall, and he? <laughs> he wants to play in every decade since the 80s, basically, or something. Uh, he basically needs to play for France once every five years just to sort of replenish his energies, sort of like a vampire in that we way. We laugh, but Jesus, he could have been a proper legend, that bloke, had he been dealt with properly. Anyway. Honestly. Meanwhile, back at the pod. Right, so good. Um, Graham Gulvin gets in touch. He says, good was Stuart Hogg when he was playing. Yes, he did yes. quite a bit of damage in that short time he was playing. Yes, he? he did. And then and then things didn't didn't go so well. No, right. They pretty much won the game for him, didn't he, really? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, stay on for 23 minutes or whatever, win the game, fuck off. Not bad way to earn your money, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Toby Baker gets in touch and says, "Good was Castra. I haven't got the thing plugged into the jingle. You'll be sorry to hear, Josh. <laughs> oh, Castra okay. going full challenge cut mode and getting four yellow cards in ten minutes. In, nice. In their nice. They're they're such beautifully beautiful shit houses. That team. They're just amazing. They will never. They will never change either. No, they, they are I know just you're down with this sort of thing. But no, it's you know, 
It's wonderful. Like, cast it, and it doesn't matter. It almost doesn't matter who is playing. For, like, no matter what generation, no matter like, it's a cultural thing over there. If you're going to play for cast, you will be a right bunch of dickheads. I, I respect that on a, on some level. It's part, it's part of the competency-based interview when they do before they sign. <laughs> Can you think of a recent time when you've been a complete prick? Yes. <laughs> Several. Uh, Brilliant. Right. When can you sign? Uh, Sean gets in touch. He said, good was the first half for Jordan Lama. Dodging tackles like the roadrunner does traps. Yes. I have a feeling he's going to come into his own now. Now Hawaiian topic think- Rob fades away. I think he has to be. But then I kind of said that about a year ago, and then he just stuck around, didn't he? Old Carney. Yeah, he did, Old yes. Old Carney. <laughs> he gave himself a new coat of varnish, and he was good to go again for another season. <laughs> so that's, Ron, you know, Ron Seal is exactly... <laughs> that's how it works with him. Ron Seal also... The, the, the baffled Puffin aging. was involved at the weekend. Even Dave got a turn out at the weekend, didn't he? I know, and if... It's it's almost like Leinster start trying to handicap themselves in some uh, in some <laughs> yes, way now. Exactly. We're challenging <laughs> ourselves with this one really because obviously whoever will play won't be a challenge. So uh, Joe Tar, oh, we've already covered that. The incredible Chris Boyd's unequivocal fuck that when I see beside him Ben Ben Youngs. <laughs> you got any more goods? Uh, well, Josh Van der Fleer was my only one because oof, he was a bit good, wasn't he? Yeah, something like, on Twitter mentioned that, and I thought I copied it. Sorry, but yeah. Just a proper, just nuisance limpet on the ball. All that's you know when we were talking earlier about the defence and just how they just were slamming the door over and over again. So many times he was the person just hanging onto the ball while large men were trying to smash him off it and winning penalties and turnovers. He was fucking brilliant. Apologies, the Sunny did tweet this. I meant to copy it because he said he played like Sam Warburton for an hour. Um, he did he, a bit, yeah, to be fair. Uh, sorry if that was who... You, you'll know who you are who wrote that. I'm sorry. Um, please let me know. <laughs> Take uh, satisfaction from that. Yeah, the... Um, do you know what that thing that Rory Best said as well that you were talking about before? I didn't know that when I was thinking about this actually before, but um, there's something about how is he playing this well now when he was he was very, very stunted at the World Cup. And there's a number... There's a few players who are a little bit like that since they've come well, back. Like- yeah, pretty much the thing is something we said before. It was like as soon as, like any, as soon as practically all of the Irish players went back to their provinces, they started the next week and they were fucking brilliant. And yeah, it does ask some big questions. I wonder if you can get. I mean, there's probably some research on this, but there is something about you know motivational fatigue in that the style that you're being motivated by from one guy for so long, and that's why people mix up the backroom coaching and stuff, isn't it? But it's the new broom thing, isn't there is it? There is something about, do you just stop listening and can you not do it anymore? Because you just, I don't know, they're not turning you on like they did before. Not in that mm. way. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Certainly, uh, I think there's definitely some some mileage in that. And I think that might be kind of where, it's a, to, to Warren Gatlin's credit, actually, that he kept kind of, he, despite he had exactly the same coaching team for mm. 11 years, even though there were peaks and troughs, you know, he was still clearly hugely adept at motivating that team and inspiring that yeah, team. And it must be a right hell of a job end. to manage them on a cycle to get them ready to the right point. And for any coach, you know, you know, all power to... Was, we sit here and take the piss out of them. Well, of course the, we do. Was but... the secret fucking off on the Lions every four years? Yeah. Genuinely, like, because... 
then he could like he'd bugger off for a year, and then by the time they came back, they were all so sick of listening to Rob Outley, they'd be like, "Oh, well, that guy again, brilliant! Finally, some fucking sense in the room," and it almost sort of reset them because they got a year without having to. To yeah, there might be some mileage in that. And who's the? I can't think off the top of my head. I'd have to go away and think about it. Maybe people, maybe you guys can give us some some ideas. Who is, do you think, I'm not asking to answer this, it's not fair, Josh, we've already think about it, but the best transitional coach, who's the best, you know, Alex Ferguson, right, at, at United, mm-hmm. what made him truly great Building was teams. he dismantled the team three times and rebuilt brilliant teams. Mm. I'm trying to think of who in rugby at club level, and I know that Ferguson's an exception, but who would you want to give that job to? I don't know. I don't know, because Schmidt obviously couldn't quite do it, a... could he? No. For Ireland, couldn't quite get it going quickly enough. No. Gatland has done has basically had three Wales teams, True. if not four. You could argue that the one that he's had in the last year was sort of his fourth Welsh team. But you had the 2008 one, the 2011 one. And can we pinpoint the, the point when, the, when he started to go, right, I need to change... This, this, and this now. I mean, Sam Warburton's an obvious one with Martin Williams, isn't he? He made a very clear decision at some point, didn't he, to go. It's Sam Warburton now. Yeah, and then he moved from Stephen Jones and James Hook to Reese Priestland, and then mm. from Reese Priestland to Dan Bigger, and then from Dan Bigger to Gareth Anscombe. If we're talking about tens, yeah. you know, in terms of... There have been some constants, obviously, but, you know, his decision to get rid of... Adam Jones, for example, to move on from Richard Hibbard, to move on mm. from, um, you know, players like Ryan Jones as well, and Ian Goff. You know, he has been really, he was so adept over his time on Wales of doing that. But he always did it quite gradually in a way that it never felt like he'd torn up the rule book and started again. It's difficult because I suppose there's not many people in the job long enough to do it, but it's... No, that's the thing. Because it is a really tricky thing to do. I don't underestimate how tricky it is to take a very established squad and start to piece by piece change it into a new team. Yeah, you could argue that... Because Eddie Jones didn't really do it. Eddie Jones just took Lancaster's team and just coached them a bit better and changed their motivation a bit. I mean, he brought in, you know, the Underhill and Curry this year, which has been the biggest change, really. That's just picking two new players. Yeah, really. but it's not been a kind of, right, I've looked at this and he's too old now. That's not working. I need to revolutionise that bit. Like, Ferg- to go back to the football thing, I know this is not football, but Ferguson got fucking schooled by Real Madrid in Europe and went, I can't play football like this anymore. Mm. I have to play a bit. I have to change my shape. I have to play on the ball, on the ground a bit more. I need this player. I need this player. I need this player. It's a bit different in football because the formations are so much more variable and stuff like that. But... It's interesting. I don't well, know is the answer. I'm, waxing, argue, I'm saying a lot without saying much that, here. But. You could argue that um, Cockerell did it at Leicester because yeah. he oversaw you know, such a long period of time. True. In that. And they were always, you know, even though the, the team sort of 2013 on were not their best, you know, he took over that team in... God, when did he actually properly take over for Leicester. Cause they, it was like 2000 and... It was after Heinke Mayer left, wasn't it? Mm. Yes. So you're talking, you know... Yeah, he kept him right had, up there, didn't he? Yeah, and they were still winning stuff, at least until his last three or four years. And so, and 
Baxter, actually. Rob Baxter has done it a lot without anybody really noticing. He's moved uh, Steenson on quietly, hasn't he? Generally. Past 12 months, yeah. Steenson's been moved on gently. Still and there, he's, but he's he's been moved on from the kind of first phase of thinking for a game, hasn't he? Yeah, and yeah, 2009 to 2017, Cockrell was it. So mm, yeah, was there probably fair enough. Eight years, that's probably, an, and he won the Premiership, one, two, three, three. Yeah, he won three times the Premiership, and he won the Anglo Wasp Cup once. So, well, actually, won, yeah. So, and in that time, he he must have overseen a fairly significant mm. over. But it just doesn't really sort of stick in the memory in the same way no, that... No, it doesn't, does it? And in rugby, yeah, it tends that people did keep playing until they get too old and then they drift away. I can't think... Chris Boyd, I suppose, actually, is showing, isn't he? He's come in and gone, I need this kind of player, so this is who I'm going to mm. stick with now. So you're moving on, you're moving on, you know, PC's going, he's going, you know, it's, there's something about that. <coughs> anyway, we haven't got time to go on with this, but yeah, it's interesting. I'm sure... What do you think? Let us know. I'm sure you've got some ideas mm. of coaches. Yeah. You've done it brilliantly because a lot of you know your clubs better than me or Josh do, so absolutely, um, that'll be great. Anyway, moving on. Good. Hamish Allen says, good as John Barkley, just consistently quality for Glasgow, Scarlets and Scotland. Agreed. He said, but shit is the fact that Scott Johnson didn't pick him for two years when he was in his prime. He said, even shitter than that absurd. is the fact that James Haskell's a lion and John Barkley is not. That that in itself, that it's is an fucking absolute disgrace. fucking disgrace, isn't it? Absolutely. John Barkley, disgrace. a great... Great player. You're my kind of man, Hamish. You're welcome round here. You can come round more. Uh, Ten Epp says, good is Josh Adams not having a talent ectomy by simply putting a Cardiff <laughs> Blue shirt on and grabbing a fine hat-trick against Poe, even with them clearly not giving a fuck. A lot of people nominated Josh Adams, actually, to say he still looks uh, yeah. very, I think very people good. are just pleasantly surprised that he hasn't sort of come back to Wales and gone to shit like George Nils did. So... Neil Gregory gets to it, says, good is Adam Hastings' kick pass to Kyle Stain and the subsequent try, a thing of yes, beauty. Yeah, and actually, a great result for Glasgow this weekend. We didn't really talk about it result. in the main yeah. bit, but yeah, cracking performance. They could be left in quite a good position by Rennie, actually. And Danny Wilson, he's getting a lot of shit, Danny Wilson. He's nowhere near as bad a coach as people are making out, I don't believe. I think that Danny Wilson is not getting a lot, is getting a lot of shit because Danny Wilson is not of the calibre of Dave Rennie. A big name, yes. Yeah. But that might be... It's either a very good thing because you don't have to be a big name to be a good coach or and you've it's got to, You've got to be promoted at some point. You've got to go from the level below... I know yeah, uh, yeah. Danny Wilson's been at Cardiff. He's not the level below, but you know what I mean? You can't just constantly recruit big names to every club. Where, where do they get no. developed otherwise? Coaches. Exactly. You know? And also, you know, there's this possibly an argument to be made that maybe. Gregor doesn't want somebody in Glasgow that's going to be quite as obviously out for his job as <laughs> yes. as Dave Rennie was. Nicely so, played, Gregor. Nicely played. Yes, indeed. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 an interesting signing. I think Danny Wilson. It could go well. It could go badly. We'll see. Uh, Neil Webber says, "Good is Nick Heath's interview with Craig Maxwell mm. Keys." Yes. yes, indeed. Actually, yeah. He said, however shit was the press failing to properly cite him as the source when using his interview. Yeah, well, fucking oh, welcome, to the, fucking welcome to the new age. But, uh, yeah, I interviewed Nick for a rugby life that patrons can have access to. I meant to actually release it to the public because he's just such a good bloke. He's yeah. a really good bloke and he really gives a shit about the sport and all the shit that's around it, really. Big fan. Nice guy. 
Um, finally, from the Twitter, but you might have something to finish off on, Josh. But finally, from the Twitter, Colin McBride says, "Good is Alex Dombrandt. He's really good. A potential, really good alternative to Vanapola at eight for England. He said also good is John Cooney's balls of steel for that kick. Yeah, I like Dombrandt a lot. Uh, I just think he's incredibly fun. Yes, like, and he's a little bit genuinely. chubby. Yeah, I like a little bit chubby in my back row, you know. Yeah, and yet, but chubby, and yet, he's just like he's a hell of an athlete, isn't he? Yes. Like honestly, a hell of an athlete, and he's quick as fuck. But he doesn't Did you look see like that he clip of him be. playing for Ewick. Yeah, that wasn't <laughs> fair, was it? That should not have been allowed. <laughs> Those lads are like, I'm not fucking interested in this at all. By the way, yeah. <laughs> This tackling malarkey, not interested. Yeah, not interested in it. No. Have you got any good to finish us off, Josh? Um, I haven't, but there's loads of Scottish people saying good uh, is uh, Uncle Big Knacks coming back to Glasgow. <laughs> is which it definite is a hell of though? A it's only a rumor at the minute. Well, you want to go down I the grave and listen to rumors, do you? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> They're getting excited, and you can blame them. Yeah. Well, if he genuinely loved it there and he wants, you know, and he wants to go back there, then that's a lovely thing for everybody concerned, isn't it? Indeed. Right, that'll that'll do us, won't it? I think it will, yeah. Thank you for your support and your listening for yet another week. Thank you to you, Josh. Oh, thank you to you, Lee. Thank, thank you, you very for your much. wonderful yeah. song. I don't think we do, you know, we don't give enough permission. We have to give each other permission to, you know, thank <clears> you. To enjoy other. ourselves. And all that, yeah. Because we do enjoy. I know it doesn't sound like we do. Somebody actually texted somebody tweeted last week and said, I've followed you on Twitter for a long time, but I've never listened to the podcast before. Is it always this angry? It's like, yeah, broadly, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like we've not really been angry this week so much no, as just like no. chatting about stuff. So there you go. Thanks, everybody. We'll yeah. speak to you soon. Take care. Ta-da. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Pick up your phone while driving. And you might need to be picked up from work. Break the speed limit, and you could be breaking plans with your mates. Leave L or N plates off your car, and you could be left getting taxis for the next six months. So ask yourself, is it really worth it? Seven penalty points over three years will disqualify learner and novice drivers for six months. Steer clear of points, and stay on the road. A message from the Road Safety Authority. Podcast Network.